You know, this week I had a, a quick phone call. I was telling Phil last night how one phone call can lead to something. And uh, I was calling my uh, Pastor Einer in uh, Switzerland. Some of you remember Chris and Einer. And I was telling him about this, uh, the School of the Prophets and how well it went. He said, and he was in Zambia when he was talking to me. He said, good, I really feel we can do a School of the Prophets in Zambia. So it looks like a Zambian School of the Prophets looks like it's on for the nation. When and how, we don't know yet, but God's doing it. God's opening the doors. Amen? School of the Prophets in Zambia for the nations. What that'll mean is some of you guys are coming. So when I say get your passports, hey, there you go. Amen? God just does it quickly. He just wants to see if you're ready. Just wants to see if you're ready. You know, a battle inside my own heart to do the school of the prophets. I have to fight my own limitations and my own inferi- you know, inferiority and things like that. But, uh, but I do it because I know it's the right thing to do. And I told uh, myself many times in prayer, are you doing the right thing? Yes. Is it the will of God? Yes. Well, shut up moaning. I have to have a strong conversation with myself. And you may think, what's the problem you do this on a Sunday? That's your problem. You think I just do this on a Sunday. I don't do this. This is a grace. And you have to labor. It's not doing it. It's carrying the word for it. That's the issue. Speaking is a grace. But speaking the right things, speaking what God's saying, is the number one issue. Many of you could get up here and say a lot of things. But whether it's the right thing, others would determine. So in your Bibles, you can see... Many scriptures, but one scripture I want you to turn to is Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to really be good for you this morning. I've even put a PowerPoint together, but I never want want you to be reliant upon these things because then people stop bringing their own Bibles and you stop seeing things that you would normally see had you been reading your own Bible. So every now and then I will introduce PowerPoints on a Sunday morning and then I'll take them away just so that people will become you know, observant and bring their own Bibles. But this scripture, last week during Agents of Change, in one of the evening meetings, uh, if you remember, there was a strong prophetic flow and it was a night when Peter and, and myself was putting the baton into your hands along with Carol and Karen. And um, as I began to, as this, uh, I should say, as Peter was praying and for people and I was praying for people, this scripture came strong into my mind and I began to prophesy over Paul and Emma. And um, Karen said to me afterwards, she said, that was a strong word you gave yesterday. I said, yeah, well, that's the, that's the word that was in my heart to give him. And we discussed it the next day. But subsequently what happened was is, as I went to bed on the Friday night, Saturday morning, I had nothing in my mind about what I was going to speak about today. And I've learned to stop panicking when that happens because something will come. And God began to arrest me on Saturday morning as I was trying to keep, you know, stay asleep, getting a lion. This scripture was percolated in the background. And, um, and then I'm thinking, Lord, I want to go to sleep, but it won't let me go. And I'm thinking about this scripture in my sleep. And I'm kind of, you know, when you're not in sleep, but you're coming out of that sleep, you're coming out of that second stage sleep. You know what's going on. You're aware you're in bed. You're aware there's noise around you, but you're also aware that you could st- you're not far. You're slipping out in or out. You're not sure. And the scripture was in my mind. I love it when God speaks like that because it shows I'm still awake and still alive. That God's speaking to me. 
And um, this is the scripture. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. All mighty declarations he's making here. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. And he'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from time, from that time on and forever. For the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's a very powerful royal regal scripture that, that is just layered with the kingdom king. And I've entitled this morning's message that heaven is a kingdom with a kingdom king. So when we talk about heaven, we're talking about a kingdom. And when we talk about heaven, we're talking about a kingdom with a king. Heaven, has a ki- heaven is a kingdom and it's the kingdom of heaven. And the kev- kingdom of heaven has a king. And his name is Wonderful. His name is Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And on the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. And he'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from time on forever. For the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. You see, Isaiah is announcing to us the future coming king. He's prophesying it many, 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 many hundreds of years before it happened. But he captures it in his heart, he sees it, and as he captures and sees it, he begins to declare it. Because once it's out there, it's out there. Because the Bible says that the word of the Lord will never return void. It'll, it'll keep going round and round the earth, waiting for a generation, until a re- generation pick it up, and then the word can land. It's almost like a spaceship, it goes round and round and round, and then it lands. Yeah? And when it lands, it lands on a person, it lands on a people, it lands on a society, it lands on a nation. And, and then it begins to be manifested. And so Isaiah's prophesying that the king's nature and the king's function. The future coming king, the Christ Jesus, the saviour, he prophesies his nature and his function. His nature is that he's wonderful. His nature is he's a counsellor, he's mighty, he's God, he's everlasting, his father is prince of peace. That's his nature. And then he, dec- he describes his function. It's, uh, is his government will be full of peace and there'll be no end. And he'll reign on David's throne. And he'll establish righteousness and justice. Amen? And God's zeal will do this. But you see, the trouble is we use the word wonderful, mighty counsellor on Christmas cards. And we take it as, a, as a, an expression and we put it on a Christmas card with a snowy scene or a Mary and Joseph... And we've reduced him to a baby in a manger. He's not allowed out the manger to become wonderful, mighty, everlasting. He's not allowed to come out the manger so he can have a kingdom that will rule and reign with righteousness and justice. He's never allowed out. Why? Because in our minds, baby Jesus belongs in the manger. So the only concept the world has of the Christ is, is a baby born in a manger. So we dilute him and we reduce him to a baby. Hello? We reduce him. 
So when we try to demonstrate him as a king, we've got no pattern and no model. Because all we've ever done is keep him in the manger. Oh, bless baby Jesus. Every nativity is around Mary and Joseph. We never put a nativity around him becoming king. We say, we say, oh, Easter can do that. No, Easter's the resurrection. So the Easter is the death. We don't even manifest the resurrection. We highlight the wrong things or we, we highlight incomplete truth. So is it true that Jesus was born in a manger? Yes. There was no travel lodge in those days. No premier in. So we, we reduce him and we, we, we stop at the story there. But we should continue the story to show how the boy became a man, the man became the Christ, the Christ became the king. Yes, the child became a boy, the boy became a man, the man became a king. A saviour king. And if we, if we don't watch out, we struggle in our own minds on how this kingdom can ever truly become a kingdom. So then we, what we end up doing is we end up having Christianity without the Christ. It's so easy to have Christianity without Christ. You can't have, if you're going to have true Christianity, you must take the kingdom king. You see, Jesus Christ is saviour to many of you. But he's not your king. He's not your Lord. He's your saviour. But he's not your Lord and king. Because if he's your Lord and king, then you live to do the will of the king. And that's why he's the kingdom king. So we just want him to be our saviour. Why? Because that's Christianity. Christianity. Jesus said, pick up your cross and carry it. Follow me. Show me that, that your words are sincere. Your words are genuine. Show me that I am your Lord. You have to qualify. It's important that we, 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 we make people qualify for this mandate. So Isaiah clearly tells us, that the son will carry government on his shoulders. Have you ever thought about what that is and what it looks like? What government is he carrying on his shoulders? Many people say, well, he's carrying the, government, uh, the governments of the world. No, that's not what he's talking about at all. The government he's talking about is the kingdom of God. And the church is the kingdom of God. The church is in the kingdom of God. It's the church's mandate to carry the, man, the, the kingdom of God. So when he talks about the government, he's talking about the church. The church is the one that's been given the power and authority to bring everything that's in disobedience into obedience. The church. Who's the church? Is it a place where we go? No, it's you. You're the person that's been called to serve a king, follow a king, and speak the king's decree. This government must rest. This government must speak. See, there's a lot of governments that are speaking right now. A lot of governments don't even know what policies they've got. Our king has got a policy for everything. He's got a policy for education. He has a policy for finance. He has a policy for family. He has a policy for marriage. He has a policy for singles. He has a policy for raising children. He has a policy for everything. There's not one thing the kingdom does not speak into. That's why vote for him. Vote for him. He knows what he's doing. He knows what every nation needs. He knows what every man needs. But unlike us, we vote for the government that will give us benefits. The best benefits. 
where he is a, his kingdom is a kingdom that does what's right for the nation. Does what's right for the kingdom. It's a national benefit rather than an individual benefit. It's amazing how many people will vote for someone just because he offers them £10 a week more. The country can go to rack and ruin, but at least I'm getting £10 more. We have to stop voting based on what a government gives us. We've got to start voting based on what heaven is saying. These lot are unrighteous. These lot are righteous. These lot will take you to hell. These lot will put the country stable. We've got to vote. We've got to vote with our kids in mind. Not with you in mind. Because it's our kids who's going to inherit our mess, our vote. Yeah? So Isaiah clearly tells the son will carry a government on his shoulders, which will prophetically or symbolically is a picture of the church. And Jesus Christ is the head of his own church. Amen? See, you've got head and shoulders, we've got head and shoulders government. You all think, all you think about is head and shoulders shampoo. Yeah, no head and shoulders shampoo. This is head and shoulders government. So he's the head, we're the shoulders. Yeah, that's why we're kept, the shoulders are connected. I don't know if you noticed, but your shoulders are not far from your brain. So he's the head, we're the shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Because the word, the world will look to him for wisdom. Wise men sought him. A wise man still does. And he'll be called Mighty God. In other words, he's a part of the Godhead. He's set in the picture for us that this kingdom king is part of a Godhead. There's three in one. You know, he's a member of the Trinity. I'm not saying he's the second or he's the, he's the third. I'm not, he's just, there's just one. Amen? And he'll be called Everlasting Father. There's a lot of fathers who are not everlasting. Our nation and the nations of the world have a lot of fathers who have not lasted more than five minutes. But he is the everlasting father. He outlives every father. He outstrips every father. He's got the model that every father needs. Because he is the model. He knows how to love his family. He knows how to raise his sons. That's why he's the everlasting father. Amen? He's inseparable from his, from his father. The father and son are one. Yeah? He's the prince of peace. The other prince we know is the prince of darkness. But this one is the prince of peace. He has the ability to calm the raging waters. Amen? He can rage, he can, he can still the raging waters inside your heart. He can, he can uh, still the raging waters inside a nation. So the nation's in turmoil. He only has to speak his word and everything's back to normal. That's why we must, we must pray for the nations that are in turmoil. And on the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is why we need the church unusual. Yeah? That recognizes that the church must carry his government. I'm not looking to my government to bail me out. I'm not. I'm already, I'm already a uh, I'm a canvas, what do they call it? I'm, I'm an MP for his kingdom. Amen? I'm not, I'm not looking for voters. I've already voted. I'm looking for salvation. I'm looking for converts. I'm looking for partners. Amen? 
We're not coming just to come and vote for us. We're coming to snatch you out the kingdom of darkness. On the increase of his government. In other words, his government is increasing. Now this morning you say, come live in me. The moment you open up a door in your heart and let him in, it's increased. The moment you struggle in one area and you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and cleanse you in that area, his government's just increased. The moment you surrender to his will, his government has just increased. His government needs to increase within you and outside of you and beyond you. Yes? See, the moment I walk into a, into a factory or into, if I'm, if that's my workplace, the moment I step in, I'm taking his government. The moment I speak and it hits someone's heart, his government has just now increased. So you have to, keep, you have to be constantly thinking, how can with this government inside me increase? So Lord, breathe in me, cleanse me, renew my mind. Hopefully last week when you were in agents to change, his government was increasing with inside of you. More and more of you was, was dying, so being pushed to one side, and more of the kingdom was coming in. His government is increasing. And when it increases, doesn't it bring the peace? When God comes in your life, peace always comes with it. That is the proof that it's God. If there's no peace coming in, it can be man persuading you. Hello? And you can go home and think, I'm not quite sure about what he said. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. That's not the kingdom. There'll always be peace behind the kingdom. Because it's the, kingdom, it's, it's the kingdom king that convinces you on the inside that this is right. This is true. This is God speaking. So the kingdom must increase with peace. He will reign on David's throne over over, his, uh, over the kingdom. He will reign on David's throne. A throne, that, that's lineage. He's talking about lineage. He's not just turned up from nowhere. He didn't just step out and, and he, he has a beginning. Our king, our king has a beginning in terms of our history. In terms of, of what we can comprehend, there is a beginning. He's always been there, but for you and I, we can recall his, his beginnings when we read Genesis. Do you understand that? So for us... He shows us where he first started, so when we have a conscience of where, he, of where he first came in. But he was always there in the beginning. But your mind can't comprehend that. My mind cannot comprehend he's always been there. My mind says, no, there's got to be a beginning. Before everything, there's got to be a beginning. So how does he start Genesis? In the beginning. He is the beginning. So he's letting me know that now I'm here. I've always been there, but for your sake, I'm letting you know I'm now here, available to you. And I've been, always been available since the first day I created man. But I was always there. Okay, Lord, I'm not even going to try and work that one out. So he'll reign on David's throne. David, in those days, you could only have, each kingdom had to have its priest. But Jesus Christ showed us that he was a prophet, he was a priest... And he was a king in the order of Melchizedek. Not everybody enjoyed that, could, could do that. The priests were the priests, the prophets were the prophets, and the kings were the kings. But here Jesus says, I'm the prophet, I'm the priest, and I'm the king. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. Do you know that's your role? Your role is to take the kingdom of heaven and establish it in righteousness. In fact... 
1 Peter 2, 9, it's not on, your, on, the, on the screen behind me, but 1 Peter 9 says this, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The Bible calls you a chosen people you're, and you're a royal priesthood and a holy nation belonging to God. God's grafted you in. He's grafted you in. What was only once for Israel has now been grafted. He's grafted the church in there. He's grafted the Gentiles in there. For now there's no Jew nor Gentile. We're now a royal priesthood. We're now a holy people. We're now a chosen people belonging to our God. Why? So we declare his praises. What does that mean? Declare his kingdom. Carry his kingdom. You've been chosen for that, for that task. It's a royal task. It's a royal task. We're now subjects of a king. And our king has a kingdom. Amen? See, you look at our royal family. A lot of, royal, a lot of people in Britain do not acknowledge our royal family. She has no power to govern in our nation. But I think... As I grow older, I didn't always think like this, but as I've grown older, I've come to value the royal family. Come to value the queen, especially. Charles is a dipstick. But as for the rest of as for her, I think she's been she's been good. But when I look at when I look at my father here, my father brings justice. Our queen doesn't have no power to bring justice. She has influence. But she cannot bring justice in the world. But my Heavenly Father can. And this church can. This church can bring justice. Well, how can this church bring justice? Well, we can do it through prayer. And we can do it by going into impoverished places and redeeming people. We can. Snatching people out of, out of hell. We can do it. We can do it. And this kingdom, it says, from that time on and forever. In other words, it's generational. It will keep on keeping on. So when you've gone, there'll be others. And when they've gone, there'll still be others. Why? Because his kingdom has no end. Can you imagine? God created something with no end. Every day it's growing. Every day it's growing. Why? Because in God, God is limitless. So it doesn't matter how much the kingdom grows, God just keeps growing with it. Because the kingdom is inside him. So you're part of something that never ends. Wow. You know, right now, Bibi's passed into a kingdom that will never end. She's in that place now where all of us want to be. In fact, when we read in our Bible, some of the saints went and crossed over on the other side and didn't want to come back. But Paul said, but for your sake, I've got to come back. But there she is now, right now, with no sickness, beautiful. She's, she's smiling. She's glorious. She's wonderful. That's the kingdom. She's, she's crossed over on the other side. Why? Because she had a faith. So the zeal of the Almighty will accomplish this. In other words, whether you don't choose it, God will still do it. His government has no end. And if you don't want it, Dream Center, he'll find somebody who does. And that's why we just say, Lord, let us have a piece of the action. Let us have a piece of the action. The Lord says, are you sure? Are you sure? We say, yes, Lord. So he says, okay, I'll trust you with a measure. Let's see how you go, Dream Center. 
Let's see if you really take this kingdom mandate serious. And if you take it serious, I'll bring in resources, I'll bring in people, I'll, I'll open doors for you. But if you can't take the word on a Sunday, you'll never take the kingdom on a Monday. So this, con- this, con- can't we say it? this kingdom government needs a landing strip. It needs a landing strip. Now I'm going to be very good to you, I'm going to keep you in the book of Matthew. Matthew 3, 1 says, in the days of John the Baptist, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who spoke through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. So there's two messages there. For somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ, the call of the kingdom is to, for you to repent. Okay? You cannot cross over and inherit this kingdom unless you repent and acknowledge that you need Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will now become your Lord and your Savior, and I'll turn my back on how I, how I used to live, and I'll follow him. That's the first call. So the call for the church is to preach repentance. Hello? We can't keep on preaching nice salvation, uh, nice Christian messages. We've also got to remember that there is a mandate to land the kingdom. The kingdom needs a landing strip. So we have to preach repentance. The second mandate is for you to remove the obstacles. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. That's the kingdom king. He's saying, Dream Center, prepare the way. So preach salvation, and as you preach salvation, you'll prepare the way. As you remove, as you keep preaching what the kingdom's saying, as you keep advancing the kingdom, keep preparing the way, remove the obstacles so the kingdom has a landing strip. It must have somewhere to land. It must find someone to land in, or on, I should say. So the first thing we see is the kingdom king is that, the, gov- uh, heaven, the kingdom of heaven must have a place to land. You're all here because someone declared it. Someone told you about the kingdom king. So someone declared it. What did they do? By declaring it, they removed the obstacles that was in your heart. So you were exposed. Then you said, okay, now here's the problem. You receive salvation. But you have not yet received the kingdom. Oh, this is your problem. You think salvation is all you need. No, you need the kingdom. The kingdom is what Jesus is offering you, not just salvation. And you see, you can come to church, you can say, you can have your day-to-day prayers, but are you inheriting the kingdom? The Bible's very clear about you inheriting the kingdom. Salvation is just the front door. Matthew 10 says, Matthew 10, 7 says, as you go, preach this message. Stop right there a minute. As you go, where are you going? Are you going? Are you going? Well, as you're going, preach. What do you mean? Do I have to stand up in work on a a Monday morning and say, let me preach to you all? No. It's not saying that. If you've got the opportunity, then obviously take it. It's it's, It's saying... Always be ready to give 
uh, you know, if the opportunity comes, always get ready to give somebody else the opportunity to know what you know. Always get ready to share with somebody what God's doing in your life. Let them have the same opportunity. If it's good news, it's good news. How can you receive this good news and keep your mouth shut and not tell somebody else? Well, I might look, a, might look a wally, but you didn't say that when somebody else told you. It's a shame to keep good things. If you were, listen, if you had a cure, if you had a cure, you found a tablet or you created a tablet that could cure certain illnesses, would you keep it to yourself? You'd share it with others, wouldn't you? You might make money out of it, but you'll share it with others. Why? But we do that in the church. What we receive... We keep to ourselves. So blessed are those, oh sorry, uh, as you preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. So as someone's listening to what you're saying, the kingdom's getting nearer and nearer and nearer. And then they reject it, then the kingdom backs off. Hello? That's what happens. And then as someone goes away and thinks about it, the kingdom is on them. Holy Spirit's working on them. And then they come to a point where they realize they want to give the life to Jesus. They realize that this truth and they're convicted on the inside and they bow down or they bend down, whatever it is, and they invite Jesus Christ into their life. Salvation comes to them. Amen? But they still haven't gone through the cross. They still need to realize there's a victorious Christian life on the other side of the cross. Yes? This is a very fundamental part. So, and he says this, uh, preach the kingdom of heaven is near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely you give. Now, if you're not doing that, then you've not got the kingdom. All you're preaching is salvation. Salvation's good. Don't get me wrong. Salvation's good. But the demonstration of the kingdom is those things. Because the Bible says, when... A demon has been cast out, then the kingdom of God has come on upon you. Because it takes a greater kingdom to cast out the kingdom of darkness. Yes? So you casting out a devil is a sign and a wonder that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is upon you. And it's coming upon those people you're praying for. Amen? So the kingdom of God Needs a landing strip. The next one, the kingdom of God suffers persecution because it is a righteous kingdom. The Bible says at some point, I think it's John, it says it, very rarely, people may die for a good man, but they won't die for a righteous man. Why? Nobody likes righteousness. Nobody likes righteousness in the world. Give me an example. When I used to work in my factory, all the guys wanted to leave home. On a Friday night, we knew there was no management in. So some of the guys would like to leave at 8 o'clock when he should have left at 9 o'clock. Right? And they knew they needed someone to clock them out. So I was that man. I used to clock them out. Then I realized, this is wrong. I'm still doing something that they shouldn't be doing. So if it all goes up, guess what? I get it and they get it. So I had to stand my ground and said, no, I'm not doing it. So, this, so I got a lot of stick because of my righteousness. 
right? And David will tell you, I got a lot of stick for it. But I stood my ground and God honoured me. God honoured me. And I remember years ago, when I used to, when I was a bad boy, we used to run, let's just say, unseemingly kind of videos. We'll leave it there. And I, unsavoury. And I was making good money. I'm in a factory, I'm making 200 quid a week. It was more than a passive income. Until one day, I remember getting out of the car. And as I'm shutting the car door, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, leave sin with sin and walk away. I knew exactly what he meant. Peace came with it. Shut the door, went into work with a bag of videos, put the money on the table, put the videos, threw it to the other guy who was my partner in crime. I said, they're all yours. The kingdom's yours. He couldn't, he couldn't work it out. Why would I give him my profit? Because I was walking away and turning me back. I'm saying that I'm now going to live a righteous life. If God is going to use my life, I must give him some materials. I had to turn my back on what was making me good money. It's like a drug dealer turning, going back to his supplier, giving him the money he's just made. And saying, I'm not in it no more. So I had to do that. Because the kingdom must have righteousness. And you get persecuted when you're righteous. But guess what? If you don't stand up, your heavenly father says, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. Now, no one's picked a stone up and thrown it at you. No one's shot you. No one's hung you. No one's stabbed you. So take them out of the way. You're not doing too bad. Sticks and stones. Come on. Break my bones. But names will never hurt me. Right. So if someone's calling you for a Christian, the Bible says, bless. Hey, rejoice. Nobody likes it, but rejoice. At least they're taking notice. Now, don't be a dipstick and wind everybody up and go around judging everyone because you'll get a different kind of persecution. And it won't be a righteous one. You're not meant to judge people. Yeah? So two people... You know, uh, you say to somebody in work, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I was with my girlfriend. Did you have sex? What are they going to turn around and say? None of your business. Well, you know, my Bible says you're a sinner. Guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a righteous smack, aren't you? It's not your place to judge. That's not what it means by being righteous. That's called being, what do they call it? Discriminatory or nosy, yeah. Religious or a special kind of stupid. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, not because you're a dipstick. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, They'll persecute you, basically. Yeah? The kingdom has righteous standards that must surpass religious standards. So if you just came from a religious church or a religious institution and you sit in here, but you don't change, you're just as religious. When I came from my past church, my old church, to come in here, it took me two years before I started to change. Even though I was in a charismatic church, I was not being changed. I resisted the change. Some of you resist the change. 
You've come from other places. You come from different backgrounds, different cultures, and yet you still try to keep hold of your identity, your culture, because you feel if I change, I lose who I am, which is wrong. When you let go of your past, you become a better person. No one can ever take away your past. Your past becomes your testimony. But your past is not your past is not your identity. Your future is your identity. It's who I am in Christ, not where I was born. So the kingdom has righteous standards. Jesus said, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, you better be a pattern. Your life better be a pattern. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So now you need to be a model. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's always religious people around us. But if your righteousness does not rise above them, the Bible says you're just as bad as them. So let me give you another example. If you're still doing the same things you were doing, now as a Christian that you were doing as a non-Christian, you're still religious. Because now you come to church thinking, by me coming to church, I feel better. I'm good now. I feel good. God understands. At least I'm coming to church. So that'll get me some brownie points in heaven. People think like that. They do. They think if I come to church, or at least God, I wanted to come to church, but I never made it. But at least, Lord, you saw my heart. I wanted to come to church. God says, you've missed the point. It's not about church. It's about me. Me. You can have church, but not have me. You can come to church and still not know me. So, very, very important that our righteousness must rise above the earthly standards. We must be different. Amen? Though salvation is a free gift given to those who ask, the kingdom, however, is, a compl- is something completely different. John the Baptist said this. From the days... Sorry, though salvation is a free gift, those who ask the kingdom of is something entirely different. John says this, this in Matthew. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Now, when you were saved, when you were saved, heaven laid hold of you. Heaven came to you. The Holy Spirit came to you and showed you that you was a sinner. Jesus Christ was willing to forgive your sin if you would surrender and give your life. You did nothing. Romans tells us salvation is a free gift. Not, it's a gift so that the gift of faith given for you to believe was a gift. So that you can't boast. But, if you're going to inherit the kingdom, now it requires effort. Now it requires forceful, conscious effort. Salvation comes to you. Heaven comes down. Now you must come up to the standards of heaven. Hello? This is a key core principle of Scripture. Forceful men. In fact, one translation says violent men. 
I don't think it means violent in the sense that we understand violence, but the forcefulness is a sense of violence. In other words, men are determined to live, to hold on to the kingdom because they know it's, it, you can suffer persecution. They know that there's, there's, not everybody wants what you want. So something has to come in on the inside of you and takes a hold of you to the point where you will become so determined that you will not let go of what you've got. That takes forcefulness. It takes great determination. That's why the Bible says, he who endures to the end. Why? Because it's a conscious effort to keep the kingdom alive inside of you. It really is. So though salvation is, free, is a gift free given, the kingdom takes effort. Now, if forceful men lay hold of it, what kind of man are you? What kind of man are you? He didn't say the casual. He didn't say the interested. He didn't even say the half-hearted. Nor did it say the busy or the religious. It said the kingdom advances by forceful men. Forceful men. Forceful means you resist certain things to push hold, to lay hold of something different. You have to resist and push some things away so you can glean and cleave to something different. The world is a force. The world is a force. Philosophy is a force. It's a, it's a powerful demonic force that infiltrates every strata of our society. Your children, you send your kids into university. Do you know? You say, well, I'll go and study something. But do you know the philosophy behind what they're studying? All you see is a job. But you don't see how it's going to affect your children when they come out. Because university is the, is the center. It's the seat of philosophy. And all you see is the degree at the end. But you don't see how messed up your child is. Now because they've just been thinking, they've switched over to get that degree, they've got to think a certain way. And you think because they come to church, they'll be all right. It doesn't work like that. You've got to understand that all these systems are demonically driven. They're influencing the masses. They're influencing all the time. Why? Because it's, it wants, by influence, I can determine the behavior of any city, of any nation. Anyone who breaks the least of these commands, wow. You know, that takes effort to keep to the word of the law. So the forceful men lay hold of it. Until now, and listen to what he says here, has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Until now. What, you know, until now. I mean, if forceful men keep laying hold of it, right, what about now? What about now? Are you still, are you still forceful laying hold of this kingdom? You said you wanted to be unusual. You said you wanted to be unusual. Unusual means unwanted. It means phenomenal. It means out the ordinary. That's what unusual means. So to be unusually phenomenal, unwanted, means you have to be forceful. To stay unwanted. No, I, nobody wants to be unwanted. It's not saying unloved, it's saying unwanted. But we're needed. Though we're unwanted, we are needed. <laughs> the kingdom 
The kingdom king, or the king, his kingdom and his government must be revealed to you. It must be revealed to you. Matthew 13 says, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Let's just stop there. Do you know there's something that God's given to you that he hasn't given to other people? Now, the issue is this. Please hear, hear what I'm saying. To those who have just re received salvation, hear me? Those who have just received salvation, everything feels good. Everything feels good. But there's so many things you still don't know. Because the kingdom has not yet been revealed. You're saved. Oh, you have your walk, you have your every day with Jesus, you walk, with, you walk, you're so happy that you, Jesus loves you, but you still don't know his kingdom. So therefore, on any given Sunday, there's two types of people. There are those who have just received salvation and won't go through the cross. So God, there's some things God can never speak to you about because you're, not, you're on that side. It's not that you're not saved, you are saved. It's not that he doesn't love you. Of course he loves you. It's not that you haven't been forgiven. You are forgiven. It's not that you haven't got a destiny. You have got a destiny. But there are some things God won't communicate to this group of people because it doesn't have the nature of the kingdom. The nature of the kingdom is in another group of people. Those who will forcefully take hold of it and push it. He can speak to them. So to some people, when you're listening to what the preacher's saying, it sounds like he's speaking in parables. But for other people, they can understand I remember years ago, people saying to me, you know, I don't understand what you're saying. Like it's my problem. No, I'll try and do what I can to try and be understood. But sometimes, some people will never understand you. Why? Because you're not on that side. The kingdom. Jesus spoke to his disciples about his kingdom. And even those within his group, he said, do you want to leave me also? They found it hard. We read that last week in our agents of change. Do you want to leave me? When he started speaking about, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, people went, whoa, I'm going to meet Jesus. Now you've crossed the line. You had me at hello. You had me at hello and I was following you at hello. But now you want, to, you want me to eat your flesh and drink your blood. Now he knew it would cause a manifestation. They thought he was asking them to be cannibals. Which was bang against Judaism. Of course it is. He wasn't saying that. He was saying that when you come to communion and you take the bread and the wine, it's remembrance of me that the bread is symbolic of my body. The wine is symbolic of my blood. But the Catholics call it transubstantiation. They think it's the literal blood, the literal body. It's not. It's symbolic. So, to some people, it's still a parable. They can't understand. But for those who are walking in the kingdom with the Spirit of God, they can get understanding. It's called a revelation. So there's some things that I will say, or other preachers will say, and you're hearing, and you'll say, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. Have you ever done that? He's flipping bang out of order there, our pastor saying that. I thought it was hard there this morning with that. Of course you've said it. Of course you've said it. Because the first thing you used was your brain. Then your emotions kicked in. And then later on, you got a little bit of revelation. You went, 
Uh, Ashley, I, I might have been wrong there. You didn't come back to me and tell me. It's okay, we've all done it. We've all done it. If you're blind and now you can see, rejoice. It's fine. You don't need to come and tell me, I'm sorry. Listen, if I was a Sunday dinner and it helped you to get a revelation, if I was the meat you carved up over your dinner, just make sure there were some good roast potatoes with it. It's a shame to eat good meat without roast potatoes. But we need a revelation to understand the parables of the kingdom. He was saying it deliberately, knowing that these guys, he was weeding out the religious. That's all he was doing. He was weeding out the religious. And you know, when God speaks, whenever God speaks, he still weeds out the religious. That's why your righteousness must surpass. Yes? So the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. But to them, who's them? You've got to determine who they are. But not to, but not to the, sorry, where have we gone? Kingdom of but given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. Here's the, down, here's the problem. And he will have an abundance. Who does, uh, whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. Wow. So you came in with 10% understanding, and now you've got now. If your heart is not set for this kingdom... This is why you must constantly be praying in your, in your time with God. Lord, open my eyes. Give me a heart of understanding. Let me know your heart. Teach me your ways. Give me an undivided heart. Teach me your truth, Lord. Open up. I pray this constant. Lord, let me see. Let me understand. You can read a scripture time and time again and think, I've flipping read that scripture a thousand times. There's not left in that. Then all of a sudden, God just pulls out. A revelation. You go, didn't see that before. It's almost like heaven's laughing at you. We're laughing at what you don't see, Tony, not what you do see. And it's so often the Bible, can, it's, it's got to be more than just words in a book. It's got to become a voice. It's got to become a life. And if your Bible is hard to read, then keep praying until God makes it come alive. You must keep on praying until it comes alive. How do you think we got this? We get this revelation. I got this on a Saturday morning, coming out of bed in that semi. All it takes is one scripture to quicken you. Then you go to your Bible and begin to see certain things. Amen? So if I can, if I can be arrested on a Saturday morning, how dare God arrest me Saturday morning? He knows it's my lying time. God must be allowed to speak any time. And I'm thinking, well, Lord, I'll go with this. And it's like heaven saying, you better flip it, Dad. Because more will be given to you when you take it. So as I come into the office on a Saturday, I begin to get on my computer, start preparing this. Instantly, the door opens. I go, ha, 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 I start laughing. And it's like heaven's laughing. So now I look at this thing, got loads of stuff to speak to you. Why, it started with one thought. But it was a thought of inspiration. Can you imagine if I had turned around and said, nah, Lord, I'm not speaking on that. You've got to be hungry. You've got to be hungry. You've got to keep saying, Lord, one of my prayers is, Lord, give me a tongue that will arrest the hearts of men. Now, to arrest the hearts of men, I've got to have food. I've got to have Revelation. 2 Corinthians 
Oh, do we finish that? Whoever has been given more, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though they're seeing, they don't see. Phew. Though they hear, they do not hear nor understand. Wow. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. There's a lot of foolish people in the church today, worldwide. The kingdom within you must be protected at all times. Matthew tells us in this scripture above, behind me, Jesus told them another parable. See, there's another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. I'm that man right now, sowing it in your field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came in and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did your weeds come from? Every, every heart has weeds. Every heart has weeds. Where do the weeds come from? Not paying attention. Not taking this word and working it through. Allowing your life to come under the wrong kind of influence. Weeds come in because the wind blows where it wants. Different influences, different voices coming across our life. Different situations, whether they come through the eyes, the ears. Weeds come into our garden. Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field when you did? The weeds came. So where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Now watch this. No. Straight away, any gardener would say, yeah, let's do it. But he says, no, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds up, you may, re you may uproot good wheat with it. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So there's two types of seed in any church. There are two types of seed in any heart. There's wheat and tares. I'll give you another analogy. There's sheep and the goats. What do goats do? But. Whatever you say, but. However. What if? They've always got an alternative, a reason not to obey. So he says, look, it's so easy to go in, let's just say these lot are weed, uh, weeds, and these lot are weeds. So as a pastor, I could see, let's just say these lot are just causing, the, the spoiling the garden. So what do I do? Do I clear them all out? No. The Bible says no. There's many ways of uprooting weeds, spiritually speaking now. Now, the Bible's talking about the end of the harvest. Got to remember that. It's talking about the end of the harvest. So at the end of the judgment, at the end of the time when, when, when all this is over, God will separate the two. God knows. But for you on earth, 
You've got to know the timing and the season. And the best way to get weeds up is wet the ground. Yeah? Soak the ground. How do you soak the ground? Prayer. Worship. Righteousness. And what you'll do is, weeds will get up and walk out. Always been the case in the kingdom. It's always been the case. As you increase the righteousness in a house, as you increase the standards in the house, as you increase the water level, people will feel uncomfortable. And weeds will find somewhere else, because that's the nature of a person. And what they do, when they walk out of the church, you know what they say? No love in that church. No love in that church. The righteousness, people are living righteously. The kingdom's falling. The worship's heavenly. No love in that church. Because they need a reason to justify where they're leaving. It's just the nature of man to do that. So he's saying the end of the harvest will do that. So what our job is this, is to keep on raising the bar. It's the only thing you can do. Keep raising the standard. Keep flying the flag. Keep raising the water level. Keep reminding the people how to live righteously, honorably before God. As you keep on doing that, those who don't want that standard will find somewhere else. It's the nature of humanity. You know, if your boss demands more and more out of you, what will you do? You'll go and look for a job that doesn't demand as much. True? Or you'll ask for a docking great big pay rise. Because money solves all your problems. I can't give you another hour. I can't work any faster. I'm working flat out, gaffer. How does another £10 an hour? No problem, gaffer. True? Money solves all the problems. Yeah, it helps. So what you're telling me, the gaffer's saying, you're a flipping liar. If I waved a carrot under your nose, you work faster. You'll give me more capacity. God's just exposing your heart. Wow. The obedient and the disobedient have always been in the kingdom. Have always been in the kingdom. The hearer, just the hearer and the doer, is always in the kingdom. The man with faith, and the man who brings his faith with a work, has always been in the kingdom. Yeah? These are the weeds and the tares that sit in every church around the world. Always. The religious, the non-religious. Always. And only God and the Holy Spirit will remove. Only God. It's not man's job to remove. It's not my job to remove. It's my job to raise the standard. It's your job to live the standard. To become the standard. It's your job to do that. And then what will happen is you'll find that some people around you will gravitate and they'll rise because they love what's, what's happening in your life. And others will be irritated. And you know what they'll say? We used to have things in common. That's a, great, that's a great thing for someone to say to me that. We used to have things in common. I say, thank God I've grown. They don't mean it that way. You know, you too, since you went to that church, you got all spiritual. You've got all religious on me. Let that religious come on you. Let that spirituality come on you. That's a compliment. Since you went, since you became, since you started listening, since you start following, what they're saying is, you've raised the water level and I don't feel comfortable in your waters anymore. Jesus said, it'll separate. 
The kingdom will separate. You'll have to choose. The kingdom will even set mother against father, set mother against daughter, daughter against father. It has its own way of causing friction. Because once the water gets in into a life, it's going to push. Water's a force. But we say, well, I want all my church, I want all my family in church, and so does the kingdom. Absolutely. But sometimes, some people don't want to come. What do we do? Do we lose hope? Keep praying. Keep praying. Just keep praying. Let God do it. Lastly, the kingdom must be pruned. So, if the way to get the weeds out of your garden is by remaining in the vine. So I, or any leader, it's not their job to get the weeds out the garden. But guess what? If you remain in the vine, then you will get your own weeds out your garden. You'll get your own weeds. Why? Because the relationship, Jesus, I'm the vine, I'm the father, the father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that what he has will even be more fruitful. Is that good? Then he says in verse 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. So the key is, you've got to remain in him. And then the last verse, 6, If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Why? Just like the wheat, just like the, uh, the old seed, the weeds, should say. If you remain in me, Here's the key. And my word remains in you. Then ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves my disciple. You've got to show yourself a disciple. And the only way you show yourself a disciple is by you allowing the Holy Spirit to pull out the weeds in your own life. Weeds, what kind of weeds, Pastor? Unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, frustration. Perversion, all things that become weeds and they'll spoil the garden if you don't pull them out. But the Holy Spirit's saying, in relationship, I have this unique way that when a man offers his heart and exposes his heart before heaven, heaven knows how to pull surgically wise, he knows how to remove a weed. That in the natural, he says, don't pull up because the end of the harvest will do. But in relationship, that's the very thing the Holy Spirit wants to do. Yes, because you cannot walk with God with weeds in your garden. God wants the garden clean. So walking, bringing the kingdom, walking in the kingdom, fellowshipping in the kingdom, worshipping the kingdom, that is the way. That's the only way you'll keep your life clean. If you just want church, then that's not kingdom. If you just want salvation, then that's not full of kingdom. God needs access to your garden. God's got to have access to your garden. If he hasn't got access to your garden, then there's all kinds of weeds in there. In fact, it's like the bush. You know, when I was in Australia, Pastor Peter on the other side of his house, is the place, he's got a place called the Waterwee. And this time, Carol and I, well, Phil, Scott and, and uh, Carol have all been in there. We love walking in there. It's a tranquil place. You can pray. You can just walk. It's great. It goes all the way to the ocean. It goes for, for miles. And what last time I was there, they burnt the whole place. And I'm thinking, wow, they burnt it. It's going to kill it. But then you learn ecologically wise, it releases new seeds. 
And then the next time I went back, it was all green again. And God has to burn it off. Only in relationship can the Holy Spirit touch you and burn some things off. God has to burn the weeds out of your garden. Only he can do it. Only God can do it. And then, Matthew, where's he gone? It's last scripture. He told them another parable. The kingdom comes in seed and therefore it has to be planted in every area of your life and every strata of society. So we pruned it. Now it needs, now the kingdom constantly keeps coming in seed form. And as it keeps coming in seed form, it produces seeds and it plants them into your life. Now you have to give it good soil. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to plant this word I'm saying today, plant it in your garden. Right? And then in your garden, take it from your garden into every other area of your life. Get that? So what, now you've pruned it. As you keep on receiving new seeds, God will give them. you put them in your heart. You now have to bed them in and let it grow. And then take those, those same seeds out into the workplace, out into the marketplace, out into your family, out into your friends. Let the kingdom go beyond you. Amen? So he says, he tell them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like mustard seed, which man took and planted in his field. So where's your field? Each person must have a field. What are your interests? What are your hobbies? What's your work? Everyone's got a field. Because the kingdom has to go into your field. It works with you. Though it was the smallest of all your seeds, yet it, when it grows, it is the largest of all garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable, all the time parables. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked through its dough. Every little word you share with someone is like yeast. It works through the dough. You think, well, I've been in this factory now, I've been in this, this shop now, six years, seven years, no one's got saved. Just keep sowing the yeast. Just keep sowing the yeast. So the issue is go back to the field. Wherever you work, where your family is, whatever your interest is, that's your field. It's amazing how you can, what's inside of you is a seed, but can become a tree. And notice, what does that tree do in this parable? It attracts the birds. The birds come and sit in the branches. So this kingdom is meant to be attractive. This kingdom is meant to offer shade, nourishment, strength to others. So when you allow this kingdom seed to grow within you, don't be surprised when God brings people to you. Because it's attractive, it's wonderful, it's green. That is the message that Jesus is trying to teach us. So on the increase of his government, there will be no end. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Now stand to our feet if you will, please. As I read this scripture to you, look at your own shoulders. His government is upon you. The child is born, the son is given. And the government is upon his shoulders. So right upon you right now is wonderful, is counsellor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace is on you right now. It's in you. Now it's your job to take the increase of his government. And his peace. Why? 
because that will have no end. And he'll reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice. You have a seed to bring justice. There's a difference between revenge and justice. Revenge is the work of man. Justice is the work of God. And righteousness from that time on forever. Establishing and upholding it with justice. A righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. So right now, if you just lift your hands in prayer with me. And say, Father, I don't want you to speak to me any longer in parables. I want you to make the mysteries of the kingdom known to me. When I'm reading my Bible, when I'm opening my Bible, take me beyond what I've normally been accustomed to. Lord, stretch my capacity. Stretch my thinking. Take me deeper into your word. Give me a heart that can understand your word. Give me an undivided heart that may fear your name. Lord, give me the boldness and the courage to go and teach others. To go and witness to others. To be a light in the marketplace. To be a light in my family. To be a light in my factory. To be a light in my company. Lord, give me the words at the right time to speak. Help me to become a righteous model. Help me to become a righteous model, O God, that you can use. Bring the kingdom into my workplace. Lord, give me the ability to let the kingdom affect those people who I work with. Let it affect my street neighbors. Let it affect, Lord. Let me be a carrier of the kingdom. Lord, I don't want to be, I don't want this word to become a mystery every time I hear it. I want this kingdom to become known on the inside. I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to know his resurrection. I want to know his power. I want to know his glory. I want to know the everlasting father. I want to know the prince of peace. I want to know the the mighty God. Oh, Father. This is our desire. This is my desire, oh God, to know you in Jesus' holy name. Go on, church. Just, Just say, Lord, seal this word in my heart. Seal this word in my heart, Lord. I want to know you. Come breathe on me. Breathe on me, oh God. Breathe on me. Oh, Holy Ghost. Study these scriptures. Take them home. Read them through this week. Read these scriptures through. Ask the Holy Spirit to weed out your garden. Weed out my garden, oh God. I don't want the end of the harvest, oh God, to separate, Lord. I want to do it now. I want to walk in relationship with you. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well.